Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Why? Who are you working for? <gasps> it's Spoop Hour. comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this is sasha this is courtney and we are continuing our super fun month of collaborations Hell with yeah. our special ghost returning from the cult of domesticity Courtney, would you like to introduce yourself hello i am Courtney. it's <laughs> how we tell that the, the multiple courtney's apart <laughs> <laughs> i'm spoopney she's Courtney. it's fine we make yeah. it work <laughs> But yeah, I run a history and true crime podcast called The Cult of Domesticity. And then on social media, I also do lots of domestic arts. Like this month, I am not a basic banana bread bitch because I made muffins. Look, <laughs> speaking as a basic banana bread bitch, there is no shame in it because I make some baller chocolate chip banana bread. And I have oh, some bananas yeah. that are like a day out from perfect banana bread <sighs> consistency. Ooh. So I'm just like watching them and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make like three loaves. It's going to be so fucking good. Let's not lie. I made a t-shirt for it because I am also a basic banana <laughs> bread <yeah>. bitch. <laughs> no shame at all in the basic banana bread bitchery. So if you are here listening to Spoop Hour and you're like, hey, What's y'all's deal? Can I look at you on the internet? You sure can. We are at Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is going to be where you get visuals. If we talk about something that you're like, wow, I wonder what that looks like, we'll post them on the Instagram. And you can also email us your scary stories, your firsthand ghost experiences, any pictures of pets that you have, if you've had something scary happen to you in a basement or attic, really anything, just mm-hmm. email spoophour at gmail.com. Genuinely, bar could not be lower. You can step over it. Just talk to us. <laughs> we get super excited about it. It's fine. We really do. <laughs> you just have a broom on the floor and you're just like, step over it, please. Yeah. 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 Basically. It's, honestly, it's not even a broom on the floor. It's literally just the floorboards. So by virtue of standing on them, you have already met our expectations and we are just tickled to have you. So Huzzah. it's fine. It's awesome. So, since Coltney is a recurring ghost, that means it is not tarot time, but it is time to determine who your cryptid husband would be. <gasps> yes! So, cryptid husband! Cryptid husband. So, I have here a vintage cootie catcher, and oh. I'm just going to walk you through it until we find out who's the lucky cryptid that's going to get hitched to you. Gray, orange, white, or black? Black. B L A C K seven eight three or six. Six. Seven eight three or six. Seven. Coltney, congratulations! You're gonna marry a jackalope. Oh my god! <laughs> Horny little bastards. <laughs> you'll be very happy together. You'll probably live in the Southwest, where you'll be warm. Uh, 
it's been raining on and off for like half of quarantine. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. And, so and we've had two tornado things. Oh, so Jesus yes, Christ. Christ. Yeah. The one was actually serious, where like they were watching out and trying to determine if there was. And I actually, because I'm a I'm a weenie about that. That's the one. Oh, I'm terrified of tornadoes. Yeah. I lived 20 miles away from the Pacific subduction zone where there could have been a tsunami or earthquake at any time. And I'm like, whatever. Or a forest fire. <laughs> Tornado? I'm like, nope, not about this. I'm going to go hide in my bathroom. Yeah. <sighs> Same. <laughs> While we're talking about the ongoing terror of tornadoes, did anything spooky happen to anybody present this week? I, w- I would say not necessarily... S- well... Spooky in that I was I was struck dumb and in a little shock. Hello, Emily and Emily's sister. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Hi guys. I I we've been as I've said in previous episodes, like we've been having some like technical difficulties with rolling out the distance learning and like online education in my school district. Mm-hmm. My particular school has been doing a really good job of it, but there's still been a lot of like miscommunication and stuff from on the part of like the people all the way upstairs in charge of everything. And so this week they canceled face-to-face meetings, but I had one student, Emily, email asking like if we could still have a session just to like, you know, say hi, catch up, that kind of thing. Emily introduced me to her sister via the the webcam and then her sister was like I I love your podcast and I was like oh no <laughs> and then Emily was like yeah we listen to your podcast I was like oh god but um, but no it's I'm like really mistake, happy that- but thank you <laughs> Emily is one of the two students in one of my IB classes who is into cryptids, just like we are. Yeah. So if we ever get out of here, Emily, I owe you an Izzy stickers. If not, you can slide into the Spoop Hour DMs if you're comfortable and give me your address and I'll drop them in the mail for you. Alternatively, I have access to their school files on my computer so I can just mail them some stickers. (laughs) Or do that. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, that was the the semi-spooky thing was that Emily reminded me that she listens to our podcast. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Emily. (laughs) What about you, Coltney? Anything spooky? No, just the always pending fear, because I live on the first floor, that at night I have a window in my living room and it gets really dark. It faces a brick wall. There's no, like, you have to come around the back of the building. But every time I, like, sit on my couch, like, right here at night, I tend to close the curtains. But I was watching too much paranormal caught on camera, because Ben Kissel from last podcast on the left is on there. And Mm -hmm. that's the main reason I watch it. And I was watching it one day and I look up and it's just black there and I'm just like, oh, God. Oh God. Like oh God. something you could like look at. There's also a handprint from when they. Uh, oh no. Oh. I'm pretty sure from when they uh, pushed up the window to put the AC unit in there, but I've never gone around to clean it. Oh no. Which is a horrible mistake. I've lived here over a year. I, I've had plenty of time to do it. But, like, but now it just haunts you. Yeah. It's. I've shown people and they're like, why is there a handprint? <laughs> why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> oh no. I have curtains, though, so normally I just close it, because I'm like, nope. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, for me, it wasn't entirely unexpected, but I did participate in... You guys know Squishables, those big round stuffed oh, animals? Oh, hell yeah. Well, I got a targeted ad that 1,000% worked, and it was for a Squishable swap, where you sign up, you pay $20, mm-hmm. and then you mail someone a Squishable 
like randomly and then they mail you one uh-huh. so they had you fill out a little questionnaire and like answer whatever and i i got partnered with a little six-year-old girl who i sent a sloth to which was very Aww. cute but she sent me a ghost <laughs> and i love him oh i have a giant squishmallow that's mm-hmm. um a witch named madeline nice yeah julia got that for me for my birthday or it wasn't even my birthday i think it was just she found it just and was like, and it was like during the Halloween season. She's like, okay, I'm getting you this. Mm-hmm. But then I also have a pink cat, a unicorn, and another pink cat that's a different style. Obviously. Yeah. I have... And Mona sits on the chair. They're, they're all on, you know, that gray wingback chair that used to be in the basement? Yeah. Yeah. So they all sit on that wingback chair and there's space for Mona to sit there and that's her cuddle corner. Love it. Yeah. I, I have the original design of their red panda, but they mm. recently redesigned the red panda because... Mm-hmm. I love the original design, but it is a little creepy. Like, it's just got a weird face. Yeah. The redesign is very cute. So my quarantine has been, should I buy the new red panda or should I not? Anyway, Mm -hmm. if you have a cute name for a squishy ghost friend, email spoopower at gmail.com because I cannot figure out what to call him because the only thing I have thought of is Boo Radley, and that's lame. So (laughs) if you can come up with something better, we'll post a picture of him on the Instagram so you can look at his face and tell me. (laughs) And the other thing hasn't happened yet, but it is going to be spooky and I am, I'm not dreading it. It'll be fun, but also, you know me. Mm -hmm. So um, someone we met at the World Oddities Expo is Dottie with Tin Ink Studios. Dottie is the one who made the Mothman of My Dreams badges, Mm -hmm. many of which became Mm -hmm. magnets for the magnet board. And Dottie reached out to us to let us know that she is currently doing a horror writing letter campaign thing. So basically, if you go to her Patreon, which is patreon.com slash blackfeathercourier, spelled the way you would think it would be spelled, and you subscribe for $10 a month. And so once a month, you will get a single letter containing a horror story. Ooh. Which is very exciting, but, and she was like, I'm gonna send you guys one, and I was like, okay, and I'm very excited about it, but also, I am frightened. But if you (laughs) think this is something that you would like to do, and you will not be frightened, or you'll be frightened in a fun way, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash blackfeathercourier and support our friend Dottie. Woohoo! Yay! So that's nice. That is amazing. Right? It's exciting, again... I'm low-key scared of what's coming in the mail for me, but it is a cool idea that you're just going to get a spooky letter once a month. Right. It's fucking rad, but... Also supports the U.S. Postal Service, so... Yes, and we love them. We love them. I ordered, like, four books of stamps. I'm not going to lie to you. Two of them are the spooky stamps, because I think they're cute. (laughs) Wait, they have spooky stamps now? Yeah. Every... I think I have flowers right now. I always just let them pick them for me. Oh, mistake. Mm-hmm. You gotta pick your own favorite cute ones. Oh my god, those are amazing. And they're shiny. I, I don't know how well it shows on camera, but they do, they're like foil, so they change color, and it's it's quality. They're almost holographic. My favorite ones I got recently, was it the, the cars, the kid cars that they have. Yeah. Oh, Hot Wheels? Hot Wheels, yeah. They were just a bunch of Hot Wheels, so I paid my cute. bills with those. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. In a pinch, I used one of the spooky stamps to pay a bill. (laughs) So I'm like, enjoy, Virginia Department of Taxation. Bloop. Yeah, enjoy, Duke Energy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are we talking about today, you lovely, lovely people? Conspiracy theories. Yes. Yes. So we 
we have talked about conspiracy theories before, but it was a long time ago, and there are a lot of conspiracy theories, and obviously we did not talk about all of them, because there are so many, and in this, the time of times, there are a lot of conspiracy theories abounding about 5G and mm-hmm. nonsense like that, and those aren't fun, so I will not be talking about them, but we're going to talk about other fun conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. So... If y'all are ready to get into it, I have a fun game for us. Oh, hell yeah. Yay! So, because we've already done a conspiracy theory episode, I cheated and remembered that we had done a game for that episode. So we're bringing back conspiracy theory or actual historical event. Yay! So I'm going to read to you ten statements that are either a conspiracy theory, a thing that never happened, or an actual thing from the course of human history. This is courtesy of Wikipedia, New York Magazine, BuzzFeed, and Snopes. And Mm -hmm. oh my god, human history is so fucking weird, you guys. I had way more crazy-sounding historical events than I had conspiracy theories. For the game, there are five of each. But in reality, there's like ten bajillion historical things that sound seeps fake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, are we ready? Yep. Okay. Coca-Cola's failed new Coke formula in the 80s was actually a cunningly disguised promotion to drive up sales of the original classic formula. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? Conspiracy theory? Was it... It's an actual historical event, wasn't it? But then, like, they... Then people made a conspiracy theory out of it? That's my thought. Yeah. So you're gonna say... I'll say actual historical event. Conspiracy theory! Uh They did launch New Coke, which failed, but it was to compete with diet sodas. In the words of Coca-Cola president Donald Keough, the truth is, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to deal with a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. We're not that dumb about like launching a whole new product, but we're also not that smart to do it for alternative Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be like, we'll launch this failed thing and then you guys will want the old Coke. Okay. The 1904 Olympic marathon was staged in part to conduct an experiment on the effects of dehydration and the first place finisher of the race spent most of it in a car. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event. Actual historical event? I want this to be an actual historical (laughs) event. That's crazy. So you're about saying actual historical event? Yeah. It is! Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So, the second place finisher nearly died from eating rat poison, because he combined it with, I think, egg whites, because he thought it would be a performance-enhancing drug. No! But strychnine will kill you, so he went to the hospital, (laughs) and the, the, like, route they were using was super dusty, so a couple people got hospitalized due to ingesting so much dust, and the organizer of the race did not provide water because he said he wanted to see what happened with dehydration. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> you die. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah, and the first place finisher, like, rode most of the way in the car, and he hopped out right before the finish line and crossed, and all the spectators were like, yay, we have a finisher. And then somebody pointed out that dude rode in a car, and he was like, haha, it was a joke. It was a funny joke. I wasn't <laughs> cheating. <laughs> so apparently the 1904 Olympics were just a clusterfuck. Oh, my God. Or the best kind of Olympics. Yes, the kind that goes terribly and one person eats rat poison. (laughs) (laughs) Snapple secretly funded the Ku Klux Klan, pro-life organization Operation Rescue, and they used apartheid labor in South Africa to brew their teas. 
conspiracy theory, or actual historical event. Please, no, don't do this to me, Snapple. (laughs) I want to say conspiracy theory just for hope, but I mean, I feel like this is true. I mean, like, when you get into stuff like Hobby Lobby funding ISIS... Hobby Lobby did a whole fucking smuggling ring. Right. Yeah. So like, and so like, everybody still goes to Hobby Lobby. That flummoxes There's me. Hobby Lobby in Fairfax now, and I was like, what the fuck? Every time I see a Hobby Lobby, I'm just like, artifact smuggling. It's just, also, they fired all their employees. Yep. And yep. then reopened during quarantine and had to be told, no, bitches, you're not essential. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you need to go home. So yeah, like, if Hobby Lobby... I'm not even getting into the whole birth control bullshit. That's so they like, try to pull. If Hobby Lobby can pull that shit off, it's like, I just don't want Snapple to be in that same boat. I'll say um, conspiracy theory for yeah. hope. <laughs> conspiracy theory for hope that it's not that bad. Yeah. It's funny you should say boat, Sasha, because it is a conspiracy theory. Yay! Yay. But the rumor started in 1992 because the design of the label, their original label, had a ship on it. And if you looked at it a certain way, you could kind of see the letter K. So people were like, this is obviously a slave ship. And the letter K means that it's the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, my God. Neither of those things was true. It was actually art depicting the Boston Tea Party. So it was like a fun historical tea sesh rather than like a bummer one. But (laughs) it took off like wildfire. And then people were like, Snapple's the devil. We got to stop. So Snapple had to run a series of ads being like, you guys, (laughs) we're not that evil. Everybody be cool. (laughs) So oh, yeah, can, I remember the old Snapple labels. I just Googled yeah, with the, it. Yeah, with the ship on them. Yeah. Yeah, that is, in fact, not a slave ship. That is, in fact, Doesn't the Boston the, Tea Party. The K on the label means kosher. No, Sasha. It means Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, in, it's in, like, a circle that's floating. It's because it's K for kosher. Is that, it? It no, is. it is. It was a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I know, but like that's, that's what I'm saying is like people are stupid. <laughs> yes. And that's what Snapple's take, according to Snopes, was basically like, you guys are hallucinating. Because like, they said that if you looked close enough at the ship on the label, you could see like people in chains getting whipped. And then people were like, I totally see it. And it's like, that's not on the fucking label. What are you looking at? It's not there. Oh. <laughs> uh. The poor people who are working at Snapple and, like, the image, you know, they're, they're like, but is it there? And they're, like, looking, they're like, no, yeah, I've looked like, 12 times today. God, it's not there. No, it's not happening. It reminds me of Procter & Gamble being accused of Satanism in the 80s because they had a moon with some stars on it on ivory soap. And people were like, it's a Satan symbol. And it wasn't. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> In the 1800s, one of the fastest surgeons in the world was actually guilty of a triple homicide during a life-saving surgical procedure. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? I'm going actual historical event because that sounds possible. That sounds... Yeah, I want to go with actual historical event. It is an actual historical event. Robert Liston's speed during a leg amputation led him to accidentally cut two fingers off of his assistant's hand. And the patient and the assistant both got gangrene from the procedure and died. And then while he was slicing people willy-nilly with the saw, he came really close. There was an elderly doctor watching the procedure, and he got a little close with the saw. And the elderly doctor was like, oh my god, he slashed me and had a heart attack and died. No! Just like, what? Guys, let's fuck? do this. <laughs> Chip at each 
happening. Oh, yeah. The 1800s were a fucking crazy time, you guys. It's a great time. Chippity choppity, can't sue me for being sloppity. Because <laughs> it was the 1800s, you couldn't sue anybody. You couldn't sue anyone. After the opening of the Transcontinental Railroad in 1869, the violence and shootouts of Palisade, Nevada, turned out to be an elaborate scheme to stage Old West-style things from dime novels for tourists. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? I want it to be. I want it to be real. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go actual historical event. Yeah. It is an actual historical event. Amazing. So what happened is a train conductor told someone in town that the passengers were always disappointed that they kept stopping in these, like, sleepy, quiet West towns. And they're like, we've read these dime novels that are, like, shootouts and bank robberies and heists and shit. And now we're getting, we stop here and everybody's just, like, fine. This is boring. (laughs) So the town was like... All right, let's give the people what they want. So they orchestrated conflicts between the U.S. cavalry and local Native American tribes. They staged bank robberies. They staged shootouts, like the whole nine yards. They went all out because people were like, we just thought the town would be more exciting. (laughs) White people. (laughs) The 1800s. That sounds like Westworld, like 1800s Westworld. Yeah, pretty much 1800s Westworld. White people just ruining everything. <laughs> I feel like, that, no, that's just 1800s, because if you think about it, they You're did right. have literal zoos with people in them. Uh, that's that true. That is true. Mm-hmm. And also, you have that Liston guy just fucking swinging a saw around, <laughs> and everybody's like, he's so fast at surgery, though, so this is fine. <laughs> All right. In 1983, masked members of the IRA stole prize-winning stallion Shergar from the Ballymany Stud Farm in County Kildare, Ireland, acting on orders from Colonel Muammar Gaddafi in exchange for weapons. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? I'm glad I didn't interrupt you to be like, why did the IRA need a stud horse? (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently Muammar Gaddafi wanted it. Okay. Yeah, you know. The sad thing is I could believe that. I, I could believe that, too. But I want it to be a conspiracy theory. But I'm worried it's an actual historical fact. I'm going to go with actual historical fact. I'll go opposite of Sasha. Yeah, I'll, yeah, let's do opposites this time. It's a conspiracy oh, theory. Oh, thank God. Okay. So, <laughs> Shergar was horse-napped. And an informant later told the crowd that the IRA had taken him. But the IRA has never claimed responsibility. And... This is after, like, when they disbanded, they took credit for a lot of, like, high-profile cases. They said nothing about the horse. So it is unlikely that they had anything to do with it. Could you just imagine just questioning, but what about the horse? Oh, tell what? us about the horse! Well, I was going to tell it. you about the other things we did. The horse! Damn it! Because apparently, he was a really good horse. Like, he was really good at winning shit. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of, like, masked people took him. So, mm-hmm. anyway... Stephen King was investigated for the murder of John Lennon, and it was only King being hit by a car that ended the investigation. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? <laughs> conspiracy theory. I know yeah, there's a lot that surrounds John Lennon's death and if Paul is actually alive, but I think that's a conspiracy theory. So you're yeah. about saying conspiracy theory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a conspiracy theory. Oh, thank God. The fun detail is that people who think this, they think that Stephen King was acting on orders from Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan, who also staged him getting hit by the car to cover up their misdeeds. Did Stephen King actually get hit by a car? Yes. Okay. In 1999. So, like, (laughs) decades later. (laughs) 
<laughs> but apparently Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan were like, we gotta, we gotta nip this now. We waited, you know, 20 fucking years, but we're gonna do it now. Amazing. During the Cold War, the sixth largest military in the world was actually owned and operated by Pepsi-Cola. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? That feels like an actual historical event. That just makes me think of the Simpsons episode when they go to, like, they win, like, an African safari trip, and the plane's landing, and they're like, we welcome you to Zanzibar. We welcome you to New Zanzibar. We welcome you to Pepsi Presents New Zanzibar. (laughs) 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 So that's all I can think of is, like, was Pepsi funding, like, a military coup in... In Zanzibar. In Zanzibar. I'll say it's conspiracy theory. It is an actual historical event. So Simpsons was... They were, clearly somebody knew about it. So what happened is the vice president of Pepsi went to an exhibition in Moscow that was supposed to extol the virtues of capitalism and get, like, all those Ruskies on board with capitalism. And the USSR went nuts for Pepsi. They loved it. They were like, we fucking love this beverage. Let's do this. But the problem was Soviet currency wasn't universal. Like, it wasn't accepted around the world. So they had to find some way to pay Pepsi for the product so they could stay in Pepsi-Cola. So the USSR traded Pepsi submarines, military ships, and vodka in exchange <laughs> for Pepsi. And thus, Pepsi had the sixth largest military in the entire world until they sold all the vessels for scrap. That's so <laughs> silly. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying over here. And like... <laughs> the vodka added on, too. It's oh, yeah. Like <laughs> Beverage for beverage. That part makes sense. The military vessels, it's like, can you imagine working at Pepsi the day they deliver all the submarines and just being like, well, this isn't how I thought this was going to (laughs) go. This isn't what I thought I was doing with my life. I love capitalism. Capitalism is so great. (laughs) What could be wrong with a soda company owning the sixth largest military military. in the world? Ugh. Like, what if they had used it? (laughs) They had so many ships. (laughs) <laughs> they would have blown Coke out of the water. Nobody traded vessels for Coca-Cola take, that I take know it, of. Take over Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my God. Get that secret <sighs> recipe. They, they, I mean, they could have just used their supply of vodka to do that. Yeah, I know. Be like, <laughs> drink them you under the table. new Coke. Well, we have vodka, so who wants a Pepsi? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Move over, rum and Coke. We've got vodka Pepsi. That's what you do with it. I was going to say, there's an alternative timeline where the phrase vodka and Pepsi is as universal as rum and coke. Right. (laughs) And And Russia it is. Yeah, and in Pepsi Presents New Zanzibar it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A new country called New Atlantis was actually a raft christened by Ernest Hemingway's brother to serve as an oceanographic research facility. Conspiracy theory... Or actual historical event. I want this to be real. I really want this to be real, too. Maybe he was acting under orders from Pepsi. Maybe. <laughs> they love boats. I'm going to go actual conspiracy theory after this to go opposite of Sasha. Yeah, I'll go actual agree. historical event. It is an actual historical event. Oh, my God. So 
Lester Hemingway. I'm assuming it's pronounced Lester. It's spelled Leicester, but it's, I know it's that in Britain it's mm-hmm. Lester. Yeah. So Lester Hemingway used the Guano Islands Act of 1856 to decree that the raft was actually a country. So the Guano Islands Act said that if you could prove that a space had bat guano or bird droppings, it was an island and you could annex it as a country. <laughs> and so he was like, this raft has bat guano, ergo... This raft is a country. I call it New Atlantis. And he even wrote a constitution for New Atlantis. But it was literally just, he took the U.S. Constitution and he replaced all of the United States's with New Atlantis. So basically you're telling me that Lester Hemingway is the better of the Hemingways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, he wasn't actively abusing anyone while he did it. He just, it, apparently the boat was near Jamaica and he's like, this raft is going to be an oceanographic research vessel. But I think I think it sank or something. Something happened where it was, he wasn't able to actually, like, do any research with it. Oh, it sucks. Poor Lester. Yeah, poor one out for New Atlantis. Hemingway walked on board and it all just fell apart. <laughs> the thing I read about it was, like, it's unclear if Ernest Hemingway knew anything about his brother doing this. That's so funny. <laughs> oh. His brother could have bought a book and then he was the best-selling author of an entire country. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, Ernest, it's great that the old man in the sea is doing well, but you know what I did yesterday? I found in my own fucking country. So, see you at Christmas, asshole. <laughs> I should mention, I'm only picture- picturing Ernest as Ernest Hemingway from Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, which is Joey Richter mm. from, if you know Ron, from a Harry Potter musical. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Tim, it's the best just what I'm picturing. Well, I know what I'm watching when this is I, over. My Ernest Hemingway is always the one that's, um, was it Corey Stoll um, from Ant-Man, the bald guy, the bald scientist? He oh, wears a know. wig in um, Midnight in Paris. And he he talks the way Hemingway writes and is so deadpan, except when he wants to box and he gets drunk. That's my <laughs> that's, Hemingway. That's the, the, the Joey Richter one just keeps p- pulling drinks out of his coat. Like, they're like, where are you getting it? <laughs> Alcohol is everywhere. Yep. And he that's... hates Poe and it's just great. Oh, my God. Maybe I need he to watch traded later. Russia for some Pepsi. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And so they, they they gave him the vodka. Anyway, all right, are you ready for the last one? Yeah. Yeah. Operation Majestic 12, a top-secret panel formed in the 1940s, was created by Harry Truman to investigate the existence of aliens and potentially steal alien technology if it was found. Conspiracy theory or actual historical event? Conspiracy, conspiracy theory. theory. It is a conspiracy oh, theory. Good. And it's the one that I'm talking about. Yay! Yay! So that's the game, Conspiracy Theory, or Actual Historical Event. Awesome! Hey. I have to say, obviously, the games are all my children, and I don't have a favorite child, but I do really enjoy Conspiracy Theory, or Actual Historical Event. Me too. Mostly because human history is batshit. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you told me at the start of this day that Pepsi had an army provided by the USSR, I would not have believed you. Mm-mm. It wouldn't shock me, though, because the East India Company had, like, one of the world's largest armies and took over India. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And be- that's why Queen Victoria was like, you guys keep getting in problems. We're just going to take this. So we can ta- tear up your charter. <laughs> this is now ours. Thank you. Your imperialism is bad. Ours will be better. So. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> it was the same. <laughs> but now run by a country and not a corporation. Yeah, you have a queen. 
Yeah. That's true, as opposed to a VP of sales and marketing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, they just had the, they didn't have, a, they had the worst kind of governing where it's like, uh, we need confirmation on this. Let's send this all the way back to England. It'll only take six months to go <laughs> one way. <laughs> Worth it. So by the time it gets back, they're like, well, that was useless. Right. Government efficiency at its finest. All right. I got some some little bits of notes and stuff from an opinion piece on the Washington Post, an article from Student Voice, and an article from the Daily Beast, just basically doing a rundown of what conspiracy theories are, like why we believe them, why they're so prevalent in America as well. And so I'll just start out with the Washington Post piece. Basically, there's something called conspiratorial ideation, which has been around in America pretty much since America was founded. It's uh, the historian Richard Hofstadler famously defines this as the paranoid style in American politics in a 1964 essay that was in a book that covered conspiracy theories going back to the early days of America and looking at like the supposedly powerful machinations of the Pope, of Jewish people, of the Illuminati, of Masons, <laughs> and that this has been like enduring since you know the 1700s and 1600s. Basically, he argued that conspiracy theories are widely believed and by all Americans, even if they're not like really necessarily willing to admit it publicly. But survey data has actually backed that up. Polls in some recent years have found that basically like more than 50 years after the actual event, 61% of Americans actually reject the official government account of JFK's assassination in 1963. And also, when asked for an assessment of the statement, certain U.S. government officials planned the attacks of September 11th, 2001, because they wanted the U.S. to go to war in the Middle East. In 2011, those surveyed, about 20% of Americans agreed. And then another 20% of Americans said they were unwilling to disagree. So, like, there were, like, 20% who were, like, firm in that, and then 20% who were, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, why do people believe these wild conspiracies? And there's some disagreement on the answer. Some researchers say that it's a glitch in human evolution, that we're wired to be attuned to plots by the powerful to exploit us, but then we mostly get, like, false positives, so conspiracies that don't actually exist. But, like, like what Colton and I were saying, like, oh, that sounds... Sounds like it could happen, right? Yeah. It seems presumable. It plausible. Right. It's like plausible. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that happens in the process of like us not trusting people in power. There's others that believe that maybe our brains just physically adapt to favor certain beliefs, even if they're false, because they're bringing a high emotional arousal. But basically, conspiratorial ideation is just generally a form of mistaken thinking. uh, Rutgers University sociologist Ted Gertzel says that people who lack interpersonal trust or suffer insecurity about employment or have high levels of something called anomia, which is a belief that life for the average person is getting worse, that it's unfair to bring a child into today's world, and that public officials are not interested in the average person's welfare, are going to be the people who maybe believe in conspiracy theories the most. That's rough for me, because like you listing those things, I was like... Oh, I do agree with that. So, so basically, the, the rest of this statement was saying that, like, conspiracy theories, theorists are outsiders who are pessimistic about the future or negative about others or feeling victimized by people in power. But then when you look at, like, 2020 and, like, actual <laughs> current stuff that, like, gets unearthed and you're like, oh, wow, no, those people really were out to get the pores, right? Or those yeah, people yeah. really are out to, like, poison the water in this town or something like that. It's, it is really hard to, like 
not be lumped in that group of people who maybe not necessarily are outsiders. I feel like I am a person in functioning society, mm-hmm. but and like I have to have some belief in the system. But I also do feel like pessimistic about the way our society is, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's just called having your eyes open in fucking 2020. Right. So I think there's, <laughs> oh, there's yeah. like a there's a balance there or maybe like that was put in too many general words. Yeah. Because I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, right? I, no. I consider myself a researcher and I consider myself well-read and trusting of, like, reliable sources, right? Right. So so this article kind of continued saying that, that people who do believe conspiracy theories can also be prone to either cognitive error or they can also be some of the most vulnerable people in our society. So the people who are getting the short end of the stick are often the people who will believe in the conspiracy theories, but the people who are propagating conspiracy theories are not necessarily hapless victims because conspiracy theories are often spread by powerful themselves. It can be politicians. It can be people who have a platform, uh, people who have millions of subscribers on their you know, YouTube channel or whatever, that they have the power to shape the message that these people who are at a vulnerable place in society will then latch onto as like an explanation for why they're in such a bad place. I want to share this quote. This must be the product of a great conspiracy on a scale so immense as to dwarf any previous such venture in the history of man. A conspiracy of infamy so black that when it is finally exposed, its principles shall be forever deserving of the maledictions of all honest men. So that was actually from Joseph McCarthy in 1951 when he was trying to convince people that communists were infiltrating the U.S. government. And when you think about at that time period, McCarthy was one of the most powerful men in the United States. He was not yeah, some that rando. was a conspiracy theory peddler himself. Right. He was not, <laughs> not a rando who was like trying to understand like, oh, why, why is life so unfair to me? He was trying mm-hmm. to get people riled up to go against someone else for his own personal gain, right? Mm-hmm. He was passing out that flavor aid like it was nobody's business. Right. Oh, yeah. He was like, let's do this. Kami, 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 Kami. And at that time, that wasn't believed to be a conspiracy theory. That was believed to be the truth by people who were too scared of being labeled to be communist, right? Yeah. So it was like a, that, that. I mean, I think that's a reason why I think in 2020 there are a lot of people who – when you study history, you're like, oh, yeah, the government could be up to shady shit. We've seen this before, yeah. right? <laughs> I will say I know someone, a friend of a friend, and they believe truly in their heart of hearts that we do not need to be under quarantine, that the government is covering up that they are liberating children from a sex ring. And so everybody has to stay inside so we don't find out that, like, Oprah was involved and, you know, Tom Hanks was involved in all of these. Like, they genuinely believe there is no disease. It's all an elaborate ruse. And it baffles me. But based on what I know of their life, I'm like, yeah, this is somebody who has gone through. They are disadvantaged. They are, you know, they're not super wealthy. They, They don't have the best experience with society so why should we care basically in a society that's based on like a free flow of ideas when you twist information to create rage and suspicion among the powerless that's basically like swindling poor people out of their savings right and it's also a dangerous threat to like if you think about a a, a democracy right it requires trust and transparency to function and so when you are suspicious of everyone 
because they're not being transparent, right, or there's stuff that seems shady or out of character, like, then you get distrust among the electorate, right? So so basically, this Washington Post article ends saying that if there is a true conspiracy afoot today, then it's basically in the style of American power that we have now that's cynically wielded to manipulate its most vulnerable citizens. Hmm. It's kind of like that the tweet that I saw recently. It was a Getty image, so it's a real photograph of mm-hmm. Donald Trump looking at a PowerPoint that said, like, three separate pieces of information about coronavirus and like keeping yourself safe and the caption on the the tweet said like you can see him thinking it's so simple it's been in front of us all this time i will save everyone by saying that you can ingest bleach and that because bleach kills germs and you don't want the germs in your body so why not put the bleach in your body right so then and you get people who who again want to be right want to be on the side of the people who are right And then Mm -hmm. they will believe that. Finally, from the Daily Beast, this is just from last year, but basically a previously unpublished FBI bulletin from May 30th, 2019 that was published said that the agency is labeling conspiracy theory driven domestic extremists as a growing threat. Basically, the report pointed to fringe conspiracy theories as being harmful and having the potential to expand during the 2020 election cycle. And that saying that the FBI assessed that conspiracy theories will very likely emerge, spread and evolve in the modern information marketplace, occasionally driving both groups and individual extremists to carry out criminal or violent acts. And so even like with everything kind of coming to a head in recent years, the FBI is even like, okay all right, we see how this could be a bad thing, right? Like, we could see how it's not just harmless sharing of information between people, but, like, mm-hmm. with the Pizzagate and that kind of thing, pe- people will hurt other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know that they probably have been watching it for a while, too, and there's someone's just sitting in their cubicle like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be right about this. Right. <laughs> And so I've been playing this game called Persona 5, I I mean, on and off for the last few years. But in that one, they actually have a government conspiracy where there's one politician who finds out a way to, like, manipulate an alternate dimension so that all of his enemies will be destroyed in the realm of politics. And then to get people on his side, he also, like, invites certain business leaders and, like, celebrities and other people to also exploit this thing. Mm -hmm. And so when you have this group of high schoolers who are like, wow, like shit's unfair you know i'm being abused at home or i'm being abused at work or this that and the other they're like man life is unfair you know i wish there was something we could do about it and then they stumble into this alternate dimension and realize like oh this goes deep (laughs) (laughs) i have a question about the alternate dimension is it the vodka and pepsi dimension (gasps) probably I knew it (sighs) probably i would say yes okay thank you i have to confirm but but like (laughs) but you know, in, in fictional stories like that, then you can be like, yeah, it really is a conspiracy, right? And then you're, you almost feel like a little bit relieved because you, uh, you're out of your sphere. It's out of your sphere of influence. You're like, oh, I couldn't yeah. do anything about it anyway. But there were outside forces acting against me. Right. But then when you get real life and you're like, oh, outside forces are acting against me, but like, it's just called politics, right? Yeah. <laughs> and capitalism. And capitalism, yeah. Yeah. right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'll jump off my my little soapbox. Let's hear some interesting wackadoo conspiracy theories to bring us back up. (laughs) I'm going to talk about Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is in Dayton, Ohio. 
aka it's about an hour or so north of me. And oh my god, Colton, are you about to tell us that you're an alien? Yes. <laughs> well, I fucking knew it. And I bet you drink vodka and Pepsi. <laughs> no, but I have vodka, so that's fine. Ooh. There you go. You're halfway there. <laughs> so did you give I... the Russians some Pepsi for it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but my former co-host Ashley actually lives in former base housing, so when I go visit her, I can see the base. Oh, like nice. I have to drive past some of the entrances. So like <laughs> it's really great when there's extreme weather because we hear all the like sirens going off yeah. because of the, the big voice because it has to go across the whole base, so it's really loud. So I've like seen it and it's <laughs> I mean I get it. It's pretty spooky. I'm not gonna name all my sources because I have twelve. Yeah, and that's a lot. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but just to talk a little bit about the base, because most people, it actually started in November 1917 with our good friends, the Wright Brothers. Oh, classic. Yeah. Orville and Wilbur. Yep. So they established that with the aviation section, the U.S. Signal Corps during World War One, And it was used for testing field aviation experiments. So a lot of the early flight uh, Wright used it as a flight field, which is why one of the fields it's named Patterson Field in 1913. Uh, they also had a General Supply Depot, Armor School, Temporary Storage Depot, and it ends up getting merged when the Patterson family formed the Dayton Air Force Service Committee, Inc., and got both of them. So it is technically 4,520 acres. Whoa. So it's it's large. Yeah. Yeah. It really became Wright Patterson Air Force Base in nineteen forty eight when they merged the Patterson and Wright Fields. And fun historical fact, in nineteen ninety five the negotiations to end the Bosnian War were held there. Hmm. Is that why that sounds familiar? Probably. Probably. <laughs> so I said aliens. Yeah. And that got- aliens. Yes. And we got very excited and made noises. <laughs> <laughs> So, we all know Roswell happened in 1947. Mm-hmm. We sure do. I'm going to bring that up, too. <laughs> I told you First to- sentence of my research. In 1947, an unknown object crashed outside Roswell, New Mexico, and gave birth to a thousand rumors that an alien vessel was responsible for the spectacle. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll, I'll condense my Roswell stuff then. But basically, what did they do with the bits that they found? Some of it was sent to Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Some of the objects and other things, supposedly, were sent to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Hmm. And it's still, like, it's an active Air Force Base still. Like, I know people that work there and all yeah. that. It's crazy. And it's really one of the country's largest and most complex bases. And so, secrets. 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 So much so that in January... 1985, the Air Force had to actually issue an official denial saying that Wright-Patterson housed alien space technology and bodies from another planet. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love official denials. I do, too. It's because I just imagine the poor person who is the lowest person on that corporate ladder. And they're like, all right, Bill, you know what you got to do? And it's like, come on, man. I wrote the last one about aliens. And they're like, nope, you got to do it. (sighs) <sighs> it's not aliens, you guys, please. <laughs> He's crying into his Pepsi and vodka. Yeah, um, he's like, I gotta get a new job. Maybe I'll move to Russia. <laughs> yeah, so Raymond Szymanski, and he actually wrote an entire book on this called Fifty Shades of Grays, 
<laughs> evidence of extraterrestrial visitation to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and beyond. Meanwhile, 1,000 horny women who don't know that better porn exists bought that book and are like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, what? Where's the al- oh, pro- alien probing? Got it. Alien oh, okay. probing. Is sexy part that everybody told me about? <laughs> <laughs> then they got into real weird shit. Um, not to King Shade, but no. yeah. So he is convinced that the, the crash in Roswell, New Mexico, brought evidence to the base. He worked there for 39 years. He never saw an alien, but <laughs> he wor- when he first started working at the base in 1973, his mentor named Al introduced him to the Avionics Laboratory Management Operation Office by asking him, quote, have you heard about our aliens? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what you'd do if you secretly had aliens on your base, though, is you just, like, tell everybody about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing. Quote, he said that in 1974, there was a crash down in Roswell, and they brought the machines and the aliens here for inspection, and they kept them in secret tunnels under the base. Ooh. When I asked him how he came to know about the secret, he responded, everybody who works on the base knows. I was stunned. <laughs> Me, a young co-op student, barely into his first week, was now initiated into a small select group of 10,000 people <laughs> and given their most incredible secret ever that we have aliens in their craft in our tunnels on our base. <laughs> I just love the idea that he's like, oh, you didn't know about the aliens? That's so embarrassing. Everybody knows, knows about, about the, the aliens. aliens. <laughs> oh my god. How long have you been working here? A week? Ugh, it's Ugh. embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Oh, so, Szymanski then began to basically search for said aliens. Oh my god. <laughs> For 39 fucking years. <laughs> 39 fucking years. I've you only were- been at my job for five years, and I have seen every inch of that goddamn office. Like, if there were aliens hiding there, I would have found them years ago. Yeah. I can't imagine searching it for 39 years, not finding evidence, and being like, it's okay, though. Aliens are definitely here. <laughs> well, I mean, there are, it is like 4,500 acres, so I mean, I guess I would... They Damn. just keep moving around. It's like a shell game. I know he's <laughs> looking at right? Yeah, so he retired in 2011, and he published his book in 2016. Hmm. So, but on hmm. top... Oh, so, so I'll get to where they're keeping, supposedly yeah. keeping it, and some other evidence. Mm-hmm. But we have Project Sign from after Roswell from 1948 to 49. It was meant to identify unide- unidentified flying objects, so UFOs. And the head of this pl- this project was where else but right pat Ooh. <gasps> right right well yep because that's where the aliens are obviously yeah of course out. yeah <laughs> everybody knows that <laughs> <laughs> so if this one wasn't as successful like there were there was a couple iterations there's also project grudge but then we get into pro- project blue book which you can access these files online yeah at the national archives <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so Wait, that's so funny <laughs> and i think the history channel did a show about it amazing like, legitimately so but Love who it. knows if that's true i'm skeptical about the history channel but that's just because their oh, only yeah. three sections are cults aliens and hitler yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole course of human history though so obviously <laughs> so air force captain edward j Ruppelt. He wanted to do a more open-minded project, so he named it Project Blue Book. Two goals, determine if 
UFOs pose a threat to national security and then uh, scientifically analyze whatever data they collected. Is it started, Pro- Project Blue Book is in Twin Peaks? Probably. Yes. Oh, maybe that's why you recognize it. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So they started in 1952. They ended in 1969. And a lot of them, a lot of the records have been declassified and you can actually look them up on the within military records at the National Archives in case you're bored during quarantine. That sounds like a great use of your time. It really is. <laughs> it's does. just like reading the declassified alien files. <laughs> right? So how many reports did they get, if you're wondering? 12,618 UFO reports. Whoa. That's yeah. so many. Which, but like, a UFO could be, I saw a weird bird today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, what that bird is. It's unidentified. It yeah, is flying. <laughs> it is uh, an object. It is I, an object. If I remember correctly, Project Sign had like 1,500, but they were only doing like official reports. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. They discounted a majority of these as misinterpretations of natural phenomena, such as stars. there's all these things in the sky they're like these fixed points of light it's fucking weird every night they're there what's their deal (laughs) yeah but the small percentage you know really were the key Mm -hmm. and they believe like you know the footage of the aliens in the basement like that was one Mm -hmm. of them in that so Mm -hmm. are they the people responsible for that alien autopsy video yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. one of the hoaxes that was oh my God. looked into. They're oh my like, God. so dumb. Yeah. So other evidence that there's aliens here. Yes. You know, I mean... It, other than literally in, everything. Yeah. I mean, why put them in Ohio? I don't understand, but... <laughs> probably because all of us are just going to... I was going to say, why not, pu- why not put them in Ohio? <laughs> probably because we're the people who would look and be like, huh, that's weird, and just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, for me to get to Wright Pat, I have to drive past, past Touchdown Jesus. Oh, my God. <gasps> it is legitimately a church along I-75. They used to have a taller Jesus, but he got struck by lightning and burned down. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's not a I'm sign gonna be... that you're doing the wrong thing with your Jesus. I feel like I don't I'm going to be smoked right now. Yeah, <laughs> there's videos of it burning online, too. Like, Oh, my God. But they rebuilt it. And it's, but he has like the same arm positions, but now he just has a lightning rod out of his head. Oh my god! So, sure. So in World War II, they had German prisoners of war housed at Wright Pat, mm-hmm. and they actually have painted murals. There's three of them, I believe, remaining during incarceration that depicts little green goblin-like creatures. <laughs> sure. Oh, no. <laughs> and one of them sits in Building Eight Two Hundred Eighty, which was their dining hall. And people are like, what's up with this? And main theory, aliens. 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 The Germans saw them. Yeah. They knew it. So they knew it. Where are they keeping Which these? means the History Channel could put together a slam dunk documentary about the Nazis and aliens. And then if there's a cult that worships the Nazi aliens, then bingo bango, we're firing on all cylinders. And then there will be a movie, and there will be a video yeah. game, and there will yeah. be oh, a mini series on HBO. It writes I've itself. got this. You got this. It's the cult of Nazis form a cult worshiping the aliens to help get them out. They go to Antarctica, so that gets the, the Nazis in Antarctica thing. Yeah. And then they help them get to the moon. 
And that covers that sci-fi movie as well. But then they discover that the moon isn't real, which is another conspiracy theory. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're moving to Hollywood, ladies. (laughs) We're going to write this screenplay. We're going to make it big. Hello, Steven Spielberg. I got your next big idea. (laughs) It's Steven Spielberg Wood. He would. It's Nazis and aliens. He's like, I love it. Let's do this. He would. He's like, the only place I haven't been is the moon. (laughs) (laughs) So... Where are they keeping all said aliens? We heard tunnels, but the main theory is Hangar 18. And your buddy who worked there for 39 years, he never checked Hangar 18? <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to that. Oh, He's like, I only do odd-numbered oh, hangars, Wait. actually. So. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, so this is supposedly where all the Roswell material is held. And as one Oliver Henderson... He told his wife that he flew the plane loaded with the debris and alien bodies from Roswell to Wright Pat. And children of another pilot, Marion Black Mac McGruger, <laughs> have claimed that their father said a living alien was at Wright Pat Field in 1947. Like, just chilling, sure. living his life. Living his life. Yeah. Just mowing the lawn, having a drink. Yeah. yeah. And he told Pouring his- himself a vodka and Pepsi. Oh my God. <laughs> I now just want to make it and see what the difference is. Right? (laughs) So Black Mac said, quote, it was a shameful thing that the military destroyed this creature by conducting tests on it, end quote. So they were testing it. And we got to bring someone really popular to this good old Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona. (laughs) Goldwater. Barry. When he was running, you know, the presidential nominee in 1964, He was fascinated by it. He publicly said he tried to gain access to the Blue Room in the early 60s in Hangar 18, but was denied by General Curtis LeMay. Hmm. You know, in 1974, a Florida ufologist, which I want to know how you get that qualification. Right. We're about to talk about a lot of them. I still don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Spencer Carr publicly claimed that the Air Force was hiding... To, quote, two flying saucers of unknown origin, end quote, inside Wright Pat's in- Hangar 18, according to Tampa Tribune. He had a hi- supposedly had a high-ranking military source who saw the bodies of 12 aliens. Oh. Hmm. While autopsies were being performed on them. They were probably cheaper by the dozen. Yeah. And this led to the release of the 1980 movie Hangar 18, and this is where, like, really more people come into this. And so in the, in the 80s, a lot of people were like, huh. You know, the Air Force is like, no, there are no aliens here. There's no actual Hangar 18 ever on Wright Pat <laughs> Air Force Base. <laughs> there is, however, a Building 18. Huh. Oh. So, quote, periodically... It is erroneously stated that the remains of extraterrestrial visitors are or have been stored at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. There are not now nor ever have been any extraterrestrial visitors' equipment at Wright Forest Air Force Base, end quote, the official statement issued in January 1985. So, like, it got so bad in the 80s, like I said, they're Mm -hmm. just like, no, there's no aliens here. (laughs) No aliens. Please, you guys. (laughs) I know Brohio's first podcast episode is on this, and they live up in Dayton, so they know more people, but it's just like, that place is huge. They have tunnels. They have underground facilities. Like, I think most of it's underground now. Who's to say? I would be shocked, but I'm like, eh. You know, I mean, it's Ohio. Probably could happen. Yeah. 
It's close it's enough Ohio. to the, the Frogman and Lock- Loveland, so whatever. It's fine. Maybe the Frogman's <laughs> actually just an alien. It's fine. It escaped from right Pat. Yeah. We just started a new theory. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg, call us. Jesus. <laughs> Come on. Do we have to give you our number? <laughs> yeah. I'll announce it on air. Five, five, five. No. <laughs> five, five, five. But yeah, that's uh, right, Air Force Base. Are there aliens? Who's to say? <laughs> I can say, because <laughs> are y'all ready to talk about Operation Majestic 12? With a name like that? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like Magic Mike, it just rolls off the tongue. All right, so this is all courtesy of Wikipedia and New York Magazine. In 1947, an unknown object crashed outside Roswell, New Mexico. You don't say. And gave birth to a thousand rumors that an alien vessel was responsible for the spectacle. Who knew, right, guys? Who knew? Who knew? Shortly thereafter, President Harry Truman met with Secretary of Defense James Forrestal to discuss what to do about the newly discovered alien scourge. Together, the two created Operation Majestic 12, an organization consisting of scientists, military leaders, and government officials whose top secret mission was to figure out what the deal with aliens was. The group was decreed by executive order. What is the deal with aliens? With aliens. (laughs) That should be your next t-shirt, right? What's the deal with aliens? aliens? (laughs) We'll get Mysterious Roommate to draw us a Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) The group was decreed by executive order and thus began a weird quest to uncover proof of aliens, allegedly. The Majestic 12 came to public knowledge in the 80s when a series of purportedly top-secret government documents were leaked and ufologists got their conspiracy theory loving hands on them. (laughs) Ufologist Jamie Shandera got an envelope one day in 1984 that contained only a canister of film, When he had it developed, he found photos of eight pages worth of documents, and these were briefs that detailed the creation and management of Operation Majestic 12. As the name implied, the committee had 12 people on it. It detailed the Roswell crash and discussed strategies to exploit the recovered alien technology that they had found in the crash. Question. Yes. What what year did he get the the envelope? 84. Cameras are too big for this BS. <laughs> Could you, like, you can't, like, it's not like you have your phone. It's right, not like, you're just like, sneaky picture. No, it's just like, you, you're flash bulb in it, and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm out of it. You put a new flash cube in. Like, come on. <laughs> also, if you think about it, you can't check to make sure it's clear. So yeah. how many blurry pictures of documents did the two right? Coley, I'm going to need you to stop applying logic to this conspiracy theory <laughs> because none of it is real. I hate, spoiler alert for the end of it. All of this is bullshit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just more like the logistics. Dude, the logistics. That's what's going to It's going to get better. Like, there's a detail where I'm like, you could have easily checked this. Come on, you guys. Anyway. So, the documents even detailed the future of U.S. extraterrestrial relations. Ooh. So, in these eight pages, it was just like wham-bam full of juicy details about Operation Majestic 12. So, Shandera brought the documents to his ufologist colleagues Stanton T. Friedman and Bill Moore, and that inspired them to dig through the National Archives to find more declassified info about the Majestic 12. I assume they were also reading the shit about Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were probably just like, this all holds up. This is great. So during their quest, the crew received a series of anonymous messages that led them to the Cutler-Twining memo in 1985. 
The Cutler Twining Memo was allegedly communication between President Eisenhower's assistant, Robert Cutler, and General Nathan F. Twining, and obviously it discussed the Majestic 12. Allegedly supporting the theory was a man named Richard Doty, who told filmmaker and amateur ufologist Linda Moulton Howe that the Majestic 12 was real, and Doty produced documents that showed that the MJ-12 had discovered small gray humanoid aliens from the Zeta Reticuli star system. Doty was not content to just show documents, though. He also promised Howe that he had film footage of these aliens and he could prove that it was real. He had film footage of interviews with aliens. He had film footage of UFOs. And he was like, you're going to love this footage. But then he never actually produced the footage. Uh. So he talked a big game, but he did not provide it. Mm -mm. Boo. MJ-12 acted as a sort of United Nations for the U.S. and aliens, according to the theory. They brokered a sit-down between the gray alien dudes and President Eisenhower. And during the chat, the two parties eventually came to an agreement that aliens would be permitted to abduct humans in order to study their biology and also mutilate animals for the same reason, to understand Earth biology. (laughs) And in exchange for this state-sanctioned weird scientific experiments, humans would then get a detailed breakdown of alien technology, and Eisenhower eventually used that to develop the B-2 stealth bomber. Uh-huh. <laughs> but MJ-12 wasn't just a shadowy conspiracy group responsible for alien relations. Like any good conspiracy group, they may also have orchestrated the JFK assassination. Oh, <laughs> so many people were involved in this assassination, Thank you guys. God, so And many. nobody talked about it. No, they never coordinated their efforts. They were all just simultaneously plotting against him. So he was was too good looking. He was too handsome. And so everybody was like, we can't allow this to stand. And to Boston, they're like, oh, man. And too Catholic. Way too Catholic. So JFK, (laughs) when he was president, was allegedly threatening MJ-12 that he was going to pull the plug on the whole shady business. And he was going to tell everybody about aliens and tell everyone that MJ-12 had orchestrated this deal where alien abductions would be allowed to continue and blah, blah, blah. And so MJ-12 was like... I think the fuck not, and had him assassinated so that he couldn't tell the world that aliens were real. Like, you know, how people just tell their plans to the people that it harms. It's like, spoilers for the first season of Game of Thrones, when Ned Stark is like, hey, Cersei, I'm going to tell everybody that you fuck your brother tomorrow. (laughs) And then he's stunned when Cersei has him arrested. And it's like, well, you fucking told her you were going against her. It's like, would JFK been so stupid as to say, hey, MJ-12, I'm going to tell the whole world that your jig is up. Have a great night. Come on. Mm -mm. It's like a Bond villain or (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yes. You know, you're just like... Like, how stupid are you? Why are you telling me this? I'm this this stupid. (laughs) Because he's had too many Pepsi vodkas. (laughs) You must be this stupid for this many Pepsi vodkas. (laughs) Of course, this conspiracy theory is complete nonsense. The original documents were reportedly distributed by disinformation agents to distract the Soviet Union from actual U.S. intelligence documents. So that might not even be true, but there there is a theory floating that rather than just being outright faked by ufologists, these documents were designed by the CIA or someone else in the government so that the Soviets would get their hands on them and be like, oh shit, the U.S. is focusing on alien stuff, we should probably focus on alien stuff and just like distract them. Mm -hmm. That's the most believable, like just being like, we're just gonna go and fuck with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's either that or just like the ufologist made it up because they were like, sure, why not? Let's make some fake government documents. Who wants this? <laughs> Other ufologists accused Bill Moore of creating the fakes. You remember Bill Moore from earlier. Mm-hmm. He created, allegedly created the fakes to gain support of aliens in the mainstream community. So he created the documents so he could have something to point to and be like, look, you guys, there's this whole secret organization. Obviously, aliens are real. There's all this information out there. And then, you know, once he had the support of the community, he would get whatever top secret government information actually exists about aliens. Maybe he'd get to go into Hangar 18. We just don't know. (laughs) My favorite of all of the fuck ups of this conspiracy theory is the Cutler Twining Memo. So it's widely regarded to be a forgery to prop up the whole thing. Mm. Truman's signature was actually a photocopy of Truman's signature from a 1941 executive order. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they photocopied his signature, and then they literally glued it to the fucking documents. (laughs) Then, adding to this, it's the Cutler-Twining memo. Robert Cutler was out of the country on the date that the memo was allegedly written. That's just basic research. Right? Just, like, Google, well, obviously you can't Google because Google doesn't exist, but just, like, look up Robert Cutler's schedule and be like, Oh, he was in Paris on that day? He probably wasn't writing a memo about aliens in D.C. then. It's just, it's sloppy conspiracy theory research. Like, do better. If you're going to have a conspiracy theory, don't be sloppy. Right. Oh, that's another (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. The FBI has also come out and said that the documents were fakes and that no such group as the Majestic 12 ever existed, which is exactly what they would say if it were real. I'm just kidding. The FBI was commissioned to do an investigation into the Majestic 12 to see if this was ever actually a thing. And the official findings was that Operation Majestic 12 was, and I quote, completely bogus. (laughs) So bogus. How bad do you ever feel for those agents who, like, work so hard to get into the FBI <laughs> just to have to look into this shit? Right? And They're like, like, I got a master's degree for this, you guys. Come on. <laughs> they might be ufologists. Maybe, Maybe. that's how you get into a master's degree in that. Yeah. Also, to this day, Linda Moulton Howe and Stanton T. Friedman believe that the documents are legit and that the Majestic 12 existed. Mm. So even with all of this other shit being like, not real, not real, not Mm -hmm. real, forged document, guy was out of the country, not real, not real, not real, they're like, no, these documents are true. They're definitely real. But they're not real. real. No, no. No, no. It's okay. I I know it's real. I'll just put this rag over your face. (laughs) (laughs) Sun's getting real low. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Operation Majestic 12. Oh, my God. Aliens. Aliens. I just love it because it's just like a cluster. I also was getting confused where it's like, okay, so if Truman signed the memo, why was it Eisenhower's assistant? Because when Eisenhower was president, Truman wasn't president. So why was Truman signing this thing from Eisenhower's assistant? Basic research skills. (laughs) (laughs) Again, if you're gonna have a conspiracy theory, don't be sloppy in your research. That's just a general life rule. Don't be sloppy in your research. Commit to the bit. Yeah. Mm -mm. (laughs) Like we're committing to Pepsi vodka. (laughs) Yeah. We are all in. We are all in on this Pepsi vodka. Vodka Pepsi dimension. It's, (laughs) that's it. TM, Spoop Hour is calling it. USSR, you can talk to our agents. Like, it's happening. We'll make unofficial licensed merch. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like 
were more going to have to worry about Pepsi. Oh, yeah. I feel like Pepsi's going to be like, honestly, you guys aren't worth suing, but we're going to need you to stop talking about vodka Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) Unless the sales of Pepsi go up because people are drinking vodka Pepsi. That's true. In in which case, case, today's episode was brought to you by (laughs) Pepsi-sponsored New Zanzibar. (laughs) It's just like, like, I mean, it sounds like a drink for the quarantines. Do you know what it I mean? Does. It's, like, it's like, what do I have on hand? Co- I have vodka Coke is and Pepsi. sold out. So, but there is Pepsi. Like, is Pepsi yeah. okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. And I guess. I only have a little bit of vodka, so I guess we're doing this. Yeah, I guess we're having vodka Pepsi. Yeah. That yeah. actually kind of already happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I use most of my vodka to make cherry extract because mm. oh. it's who I am as a person yeah and apparently to make extracts you just put things in vodka yeah oh yeah that's how you make vanilla extract that, you put vanilla beans in vodka and then you just let it sit for a long time so and I was like trying to drink something I was like well what would go good with this well I have some vodka and there you go there you go there we're you go MacGyvering our own drinks <laughs> we're MacGyvering our own drinks we are forcing our way into the vodka pepsi dimension and we're just having a grand old time. Thank you for joining us for this chat on conspiracy theories. Yeah, Coltney, thank you for being yes, here. Yes, thank you for being here, Coltney. This was fun. This has been overdue and too long because it's super I know. fun. Yeah. You want to tell people where they can find you? Yes, the Cult of Domesticity is on all podcatchers, as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast, on Instagram at the Cult of Domesticity. I do cook with me on the story, so that's super fun if you want to learn mm-hmm. how to make things or... Like a vodka Pepsi. <laughs> like a vodka Pepsi. You take or, the vodka, you take the Pepsi, boom, you're welcome. Cook with me know. over. <laughs> That'll be like step one. We're making vodka Pepsi. Step two. We're going to make this 12-step bread that I've never yes. made. Let's go. <laughs> After I've slammed back a couple of vodka Pepsis. <laughs> Actually, probably, let's lie, lie, let, I'll just make banana bread because I have bananas going bad. Yeah. Vodka, Pepsi, you gotta make banana vodka, bread. vodka Pepsi banana bread. Oh. Vodka Pepsi basic banana bread bitch. Is what I'm going as for Halloween. Yes. (laughs) People are going to be like, why are you just wearing your regular clothes and carrying that thing of banana bread? And what's your cocktail? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Just have a necklace of banana bread. Oh, my God. Just like old timey, like uh, cigarette girls who are like cigars, cigarettes. But instead of cigars or cigarettes, it's just banana bread. (laughs) And and, uh, vodka Pepsis. And vodka Pepsis. Yes. That's my Halloween costume. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> anyway, thanks for tuning in, you guys. As always, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. You can email spoophour at gmail.com. Tell us about your experience with the vodka Pepsi or Hangar 18 or the Majestic 12. Tell us about your favorite conspiracy theory, the one where you're yep. like, oh, I wish this is real, or oh, can you believe people believe this? Can you believe that people believe that birds are battery operated? I mean, <laughs> can you believe it's not butter? <laughs> I sure can't. It's been twenty years, and I sure I can't still believe it's can't not believe butter. It's not butter. I just yeah. it's it's not butter, and I just can't believe it. How oh, dare they? Anyway, I'm gonna go make a vodka Pepsi. Have a great night, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer, ladies and gentlemen? The time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure, and this year. We need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. 
We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Is it Mothman or is it Hosier? <laughs> How dare you? Hosier will only marry me, so he is not an option. Uh, <laughs> it's so bad because I now, anytime I see something on Instagram, I'm like, oh, I should totally send this to spook me. <laughs> but then I find you will already like the post every yeah. time. Yeah, Instagram knows the algorithm has figured out. It's like, you don't really care about Instagram, but we know you want to look at the bog man. So here you go. And it's great. <laughs> but thank you for thinking of me, my beloved bog man. 